0: This week, on Myths and Legends, it's a story from Celtic folklore that hits close to home when a storyteller has a hard time finding a tale before a looming deadline. The difference? Well, the deadline is literally that. The creature this week is an evil snail that is actually scarier than it sounds, and sent me on a gross journey to see how snails eat. This is Myths and Legends, episode 353 beggar's belief this is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know but with surprising origins others are tales that might be new to you but are definitely worth a listen today it's a story from celtic folklore about what happens when you're a professional storyteller but you're out of stories not something i struggle with most months at all We'll jump in with the horror slowly dawning on the storyteller, that he is in big trouble. Oh no, oh no, no, no! The wife heard from the garden. So you, you coming to breakfast? Or she called out, nothing. She sighed, uh, want to talk about it? That is the problem. I have nothing to talk about. Nothing. The storyteller shrieked back. He had never once sat down to breakfast without a story that he would tell the king that night so the king could go beddy by. Not once. The same guy, the king, that put a roof over their head, a mansion over their head, for telling him bedtime stories, would take his head for not telling him a bedtime story. One time. She might say that he was being ridiculous, but, well, his knightly audience of one was a medieval king. Who knew what he would do if he didn't get what he wanted? She padded the seat next door. She said he didn't have to eat, just sit down and they would workshop what he had. The storyteller sat down and held up his hands. Okay, there was once a king who had three sons, and one day the king, he paused, one day, the king... The wife prodded. He didn't know. That was all he had. The wife sat back. Okay, wow, a blank page. They could work with that. Okay, what if the king was dying and he wanted to pass on the kingdom to his sons, but there was a secret. Episode 347. He keeps his wizard uncle in a closet. Told it. The storyteller just stared at the ground. Okay, but what if he's not really not really dying? Yep, just a ruse to get them to rush off to their deaths. Episode 316. What if there's a monster stealing from the kingdom? Like a a firebird? Yeah. Sorry, not to shoot every idea down, but we've told that one too. Long time ago. Episode 15. Bad Wolf. The storyteller pursed his lips. Wait, is that a Doctor Who reference? The wife asked. Yeah, I was really into Doctor Who then. The storyteller looked away. Okay, so you've exhausted the stories that you know. That is okay. You just have to think up a new one. He might be receptive to that. You did the two myths and a lie thing recently, and that seemed to go over well. The wife shrugged. The storyteller said it did, but, well, thinking up a story was more difficult than it sounded. The wife laughed. Okay, it's not that hard. The king had three sons, and... Oh no, she said. The storyteller smirked and nodded. Yeah, creativity on demand. Really stressful. She looked out the window. There! Beggar! The storyteller squinted. Um, okay. It's a story idea. A beggar by the side of the road. Maybe he has a secret, and maybe he's Odin, the storyteller grimaced. Yeah, that's kind of played out, honestly. The storyteller then reconsidered, but he could go talk to the beggar. Maybe that would get some creative juices churning. Do you, "'Do you... churn juice?' "'Feels like kind of a mixed metaphor,' the wife said. The husband opened his mouth and then closed it. He had asked for notes, after all. "'So, begging, huh?' The storyteller circled the man, who was sitting next to both his wooden leg and a bag full of something." Not really, no, the man in gray said. He wasn't begging, he was resting. He was looking for someone to play a game with him. Oh, okay, this could work, this could be something, the wife said, crossing her arms and studying the man. The storyteller who can't think of a story, so he goes out to meet a creepy, decrepit, miserable man who wants to play a mysterious, sinister game. I'm not creepy and sinister, the man said. The storyteller ignored him. Okay, yeah, they were moving towards something. He hoped it wasn't a saw thing, though. That's a little hacky and predictable, and both he and his wife froze. When the gray man resting on the ground opened the sack next to him to reveal a pile of gold. A pile. The couple looked at each other, beaming. Plot twist. Play the man, the wife said, and the husband sat down across from the man in the crisp autumn air, the sun warming both his and the stranger's cloak. The stranger brought out a stone, and for the next few minutes, they cast their throws on the rock. I'm out, the storyteller beamed, his gold having gone to augment the stranger's pile. Okay, new pitch. The beggar is something of a card shark. He gives off the impression of a miserable wretch, but he's actually really skilled, the wife said. It's actually getting kind of offensive here, the gray stranger said. I like it. I do. But it's not really a story. That's just a character. Something's got to happen. The wave pointed. Well, make something happen. Play him again. Uh, I, I can't. The storyteller turned his pockets out. I just gambled away our last gold piece. Well, you have a chariot, horses, and hounds, right? The gray man said. He noted that he did some mental math and the gold in the bag should more than cover that. It would be a fair bet. Do it. We have to see where this goes. It's your money or your life, the wife said. And the husband agreed. A story was worth more than all those things. Sure, yes. He'd stake the chariot, horses, and hounds, and... A few rolls later, he was out. Okay, wow, this guy was good. Still, though, just losing wasn't a story. How about we go for three? The stranger smiled. The husband and wife looked at each other. The threes, of course. Stories loved threes, absolutely, yes. Um, Problem, though, he didn't have anything left to bet. The stranger looked at the storyteller's wife with an eyebrow waggle. Oh, this story's getting good, the wife said. I am not betting my wife The storyteller shook his head and crossed his arms. It's the threes. We're almost there, she said. Come on, your luck could change this time. Besides, you don't have a story yet. She had a good feeling about this. The storyteller didn't, though, and he was right to be worried, because with that final bet, he lost his wife. I'm going to go on the record and say I don't agree with the concept of owning your wife or that you can assign a monetary value to a human life, but the wife sifted her hands through the gold as she took a seat next to the stranger. I mean, this is a flattering amount of gold. Like, like if I had to have a monetary amount assigned to me, this is the amount that I'd want. She sat down next to the stranger and looped her arm in his. What are you doing? The storyteller blurted out. The wife asked if he was really going to cheat a handsome, mysterious stranger out of his winnings. She was making good on her husband's, well, her ex-husband's. Sorry, babe. She turned to the gray man, callous and foolhardy promise. Now he's handsome, but what is happening? The stranger was on the verge of tearing out his hair when the gray man raised a finger. The storyteller could have it all back. The wife could be free, along with the horses, and he could have all the gold. All the storyteller needed to do was bet his own life. The storyteller said his own life? Do it, the wife said, unless he wanted to be known as the guy who lost his wife to the sexy, sexy beggar. Still not a beggar, hon, the gray man said, but he did agree. It wasn't a great look for the storyteller for the king to lose everything because he couldn't do his job. Besides, with this type of cash, he wouldn't ever need to tell another story again. The storyteller looked the cash over and also wanted to free his wife, though she was really taking to the situation in an uncomfortably fast manner. Fine, I'll stake my life. Fourth times, a, uh, the storyteller's eyes were fixed on the role that had not gone his way. He just sold his life away to a beggar. Seriously, I'm not a beggar, the gray man said. Rising and sticking his leg on, he asked the storyteller what type of animal he wanted to be, a deer, a fox, or a hare. The storyteller was equal parts disappointed that this was turning into a fairly decent story, and distraught that it didn't matter anymore, because he had sold himself into slavery uh, I don't know, rabbit, I guess? I, Jason, will say that this feels like the wrong answer. The right answer being, of course, Fox. The gray man took a long cord and a wand from his pocket. He threw the cord around the storyteller and tapped him with the wand. And the man became a hare. The storyteller, for his part, did enjoy skipping around the green, darting this way and that, completely free. For about, Five minutes. Got all those hounds and horses you wanted, boss? The farmhand called out to... Hey, where'd where'd the storyteller go? He'll take them now, the storyteller's wife said to the farmhand, pointing to the gray man. They're his now anyway. Right, hon? The handoff of the hounds did not go well. Well, didn't go well for the storyteller, that is. It went hilariously for the wife and the gray man, who watched the hounds chase the storyteller around the moor. A couple of times, the storyteller tried to go to his wife for help. She, of course, laughed and kicked him back out onto the grass. The hounds closed in. They would have him. Then, in a blink, the storyteller rolled and the hounds were on him. Licking his human face as he screamed. Did you like our sport? The stranger grinned. The storyteller stood and brushed himself off. No. No, he did not. Who, uh, what was the stranger, the gray man? I'm an odd fellow. All this, he pinched his cloak and his skin, all this changed daily and for fun. Still, if the storyteller wanted to know about him, he might come with the gray man to learn more. Is that a command I literally can't do anything unless you tell me to? I sold myself into slavery on a bet, if you remember, the storyteller said. The gray man nodded. Fair enough. He reached deep into his pocket and pulled out a human head, followed by a human neck, a human torso and arms, and human legs and feet. It stood there awkwardly. It was a living person. Hey, boss. The man the gray man pulled from his pocket waved. Look after my horses, carriage, hounds, and, (laughs) he winked, my lady, until the storyteller and I return. see where the storyteller's new job takes him. But that will be read after this.
1: Pizza, tomato and apple. These are our three fluffy ragdoll cats.
0: Yeah, and the vet recently said they weren't getting enough fluids.
1: But kibble and a water fountain, aren't those enough?
0: Turns out kibble is dry and stinky and I mean like legitimately terrible. So
1: when we learned about Smalls and their vet formulated fresh hydrated cat food, we said yes, please.
0: Because of Smalls, all three cats are now loving mealtime. Even Apple, who's the pickiest eater, She and Pizza snarfed their beef this morning. And Tomato, he's always been a good eater.
1: Yeah, but have you noticed his breath?
0: I've noticed not noticing it.
1: That's why you've got to try Smalls. If you're still feeding your cat dry, boring kibble, just like we were, this is the year to make the switch and get your cat eating healthier with cat food from Smalls, delivered right to your door.
0: Smalls was started back in 2017 by a couple of guys home-cooking cat food in small batches for their friends. They've now served millions of meals to cats around the world, but their intentionality remains. They use protein and ingredients free from preservatives that you'd find in your own fridges, so I feel good about giving smalls to our cats. And not just because when they come running, I feel popular.
1: (laughs) It's 2024. Are you still feeding your cat kibble? Head to smalls.com slash legends and use promo code legends at checkout for 50% off your first order, plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find.
0: But you have to use my code, LEGENDS, for 50% off your first order. One last time, that's promo code LEGENDS for 50% off your first order, plus free shipping.
1: Okay, so the cats are covered, but what about us? We have to eat too.
0: Fortunately, our resolution to eat more meals at home is still going strong. Thanks to Factor.
1: With Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery, the grocery store, the prep work in the kitchen.
0: The cleanup.
1: Oh yes, the cleanup. It all seems like a thing of the past. And yet, We're having hot meals for lunch, which I personally love. But
0: neither of us had time to make before. Right. Factor just hits that sweet spot, so it's convenient, but also tastes surprisingly good. And I mean that in the best way. Ready-to-eat meals can be hard to perfect, but like this. My side of zucchini the other day had the right amount of bite to it. And because of that, like, why not? You know, why not save time and eat restaurant-quality food with Factor?
1: We spent, like, all lunch talking about zucchini.
0: I'm super into zucchini, okay?
1: (laughs) Factor has 35 meals to choose from each week. And with over 55 add-ons available, we always add a few smoothies and energy bites too. Factor is the way to go.
0: It's handy and hearty. And they also have keto, veggie, vegan options, and more if you like. Head to factormeals.com slash legends50 and use code LEGENDS50 to get 50% off. That's code LEGENDS50 at factormeals.com LEGENDS50 to get 50% off. The gray man placed his hand on the storyteller's shoulder and, while they seemed to stay put, the world shifted around them over fields and rivers, past hills and mountains, until it slowed before the castle of Red O'Donnell at Fox's Ford. Come, the gray man waved and hobbled toward the castle. Save you, O'Donnell, the gray man bowed before the king that appeared to know the, quote, lank gray beggar man. The storyteller also bowed, but the king didn't appear to notice or see him at all. And you as well, Red O'Donnell said. Whence you come, and what is your craft? The gray man cleared his throat. I come from the outmost stream of earth, from the glens where white swans glide, a night in Isla, a night in man, a night on the cold hillside. Oh, okay, that's that's cool. I was asking about something maybe a little bit more specific, or... "'or less specific. "'I honestly couldn't make heads or tails of that, "'which is how you know it's great poetry,' "'Red O'Donnell said. "'But you sound like a great traveler.' "'I'm a juggler,' the gray fellow burst "'with what feels like a non-sequitur, "'but for that to be the case, "'there would have to be a conversation going on "'in the first place. "'For five pieces of silver, "'you shall see a trick of mine.' "'But you don't need the money?' "'the storyteller observed. "'No one responded.' Wait, can they not see me? They couldn't, but the storyteller saw all. The trick was this. Three pieces of straw. The gray man would blow away two and leave the other. Laughter bounced through the hall as the king bellowed that he had to see this. So, with three pieces of straw in front of him, the gray man began his trick. He put a single finger down on the middle piece and blew the others away. He raised his hand. Ta-da! A sharp inhale and a begrudging chuckle later, and one of King O'Donnell's servants said, for half the money, he could do the same. No answer from the king came before the kid put his finger down on the straw, and they all blew away. For six pieces, I can do a better trick. I can move one of my ears, but not the other, the gray man said, and was kind of legitimately surprised that the king bought it. The silver bounced in his palm, and he pinched one earlobe, while wiggling his ears, keeping one stationary. Oh my gosh, anyone can do that, the king shook his head, pinched his own earlobe, wiggled his ears, and tore his ear clean off. He screamed, the servants screamed, the storyteller screamed, though no one could hear him, everyone but the grey man, who raised his hands again. <laughs> Not such a bad trick, huh? Nothing calms down an ancient king like carnage. So the gray man opened his bag and drew out a rabbit. The rabbit's paws brushed the stone as he set it down, and from that same bag, he drew out a hound. He directed everyone outside and tossed a ball of yarn that, in its tangles, became a ladder. The gray man set the ladder upright, and immediately, the rabbit leapt up it, taking the rungs two at a time. The hound pursued it. Anyone who thinks they're fast enough, go after the dog and stop him from eating the rabbit. The gray man looked around the servants until he found one that met his eyes. But be warned, if you let my rabbit die, I will take your head. One servant stood and his hands clasped the woolen rungs of the ladder. And he came down a few minutes later. The rabbit never stood a chance. It, With the flick of the gray man's wrist, the servant's head rolled on the ground as his body dropped. The hound that descended met the same fate. The king, who lost an ear, said, Why were they even doing this? Can this be over, please? He never asked for this. The gray man said for five more silver pieces, he could bring them both back. He'd throw in an ear reattachment too. Silver couldn't find the gray man's palm fast enough. The dog and the servant sat stunned, and the king helped the gray man leave his fortress as quickly as possible. There was no need, though, because as soon as the king rose from his seat, the gray man was gone. He tumbled away on the wind with the storyteller in tow. Okay, I hated that, the storyteller managed after he finished vomiting. Wait, were they... were they home? Hey, can you tell a story? the guards said to the gray man as he passed by the gate. The king's usual storyteller was AWOL, and while the king planned the guy's execution, he did need someone to tell him stories. I play music, the gray man shrugged. The torchlight bounced off the guards' trepidatious face. Yeah, okay, come on. And while they walked, the storyteller asked about the kid back there. Would would he be okay? Oh, the one whose head I put back on? The gray man ducked under a lantern. Yeah, he'll be fine. Better than fine, actually. Functionally immortal. That was the only way I could bring him back. Yeah, he'll last, quote, until the end of time. Probably longer than the Earth itself. He'll just be there floating alongside that dog in space, awaiting the heat death of the universe. In the end, he'll probably wish I left his head off, but some things couldn't be helped. Ah, here they were. A harper? The king shook his head. No, no, no. He already had the five best harpers in all of Ireland. Pointing to the men who were playing next to him, the gray man cleared his throat. Loudly and long enough that, one by one, the harpers all stopped playing. Hey, I have a riddle, the gray man interrupted. What do a cat purring over broth, the buzzing of beetles at midnight, and your mom yelling at you have in common? The gray man called out to the king. The king shook his head. He didn't... He didn't know? More melodious to me were the worst of these sounds than the sweetest harping of thy harpers. The gray man smirked. So I was an English major. Maybe you don't know this because I only mention it constantly. From the quality of this in every episode, you might also not be able to tell that I did some writing workshops when I was in school. You have to work your way up to being able to take criticism. And while I didn't come to class with the sword strapped to my side ready to answer any critique with an immediate attack, I can see how there will be some strong feelings. The humanities majors, enraged by the slightest critique of their work, drew their swords and charged the gray man. There's a good reason why you don't do this to a mysterious stranger. I mean, beyond the obvious. It's because he'll use his mysterious stranger magic. So you go all old man Logan on your friends. When the poets and Harpers finished stabbing each other, each thinking that they were attacking a version of the Gray Man. The Gray Man stepped forward. The King of Leinster facepalmed. Not only did he not have a story so he could go to bed, but there was a big mess of dead literature majors on his floor. If he couldn't have stories, at least he might have some peace. He pointed to the Gray Man. Hang him. The guards looked at each other with hesitation. All those people just died. It's okay. The Gray Man held out his wrists. Why are you looking at him? I'm the king. I say he hangs, the king demanded. They reluctantly looped the ropes around the gray man's wrists. And as far as hangings go, it was fairly chill and relaxed. Once again, as far as hangings go, the gray man didn't even seem to panic until they kicked the stool out from under him. He had been making polite conversation with the guards, doing some close-up magic. It was a fun time. They were actually pretty sad to slowly watch the life fade from his panicked eyes. They left him for the carrion birds, King's orders, and the storyteller stood there, invisible, poking the gray man's body. Um, gray man? Hello? Then, something even scarier dawned on him. Wait, if the gray man was dead before he reversed the magic, how would the storyteller ever be seen again? he rushed to follow the guards back into the fortress before the doors closed behind them. We'll see how the storyteller gets out of this particular predicament, but that will, once again, be right after this. The storyteller caught up with the guards right before they were about to enter the throne room. Right before the big oak doors rumbled open to the king, they heard a, ''Hi guys!'' next to them, and turned to see the bound grey man smiling and waving. ''What is he still doing alive?'' the king barked from his throne. The captain of the guard whispered in the ear of another man, who ran to the gallows. He returned. He whispered to the captain of the guard, who gasped, ''Seriously?'' What are you waiting for? Hang him. The king screeched. The captain of the guard agreed. He didn't have the heart to tell the king that they had, somehow, just hanged the king's own brother. More chatting and more close-up magic later, and again, the gray man hanged. The captain of the guard winced as he opened the door to the palace to find... Yep, the gray man sitting there. "'How many times are we going to keep doing this?' the grey man asked as he nudged open the door to the king. "'Hang him! How difficult is this? We hang people all the time!' the king shrieked again. When they made it to the gallows, the captain saw that the king's chief musician was hanging in the place of where the grey man had hung. The captain of the guard took his knife and cut the ropes binding the grey man's wrists. "You, "'You sure you don't want me to hang a third time?' The gray man laughed. The guard said that all this was horribly traumatizing even for a medieval soldier. Please, they would tell the king he was dead. Just leave and never come back. The gray man bowed and then looked behind the captain. Oh, he should probably help them, right? The captain spun around to see the king's brother and his chief musician choking, hanging on the end of the rope alive again the gray man skipped off with a chuckle as the captain furiously sawed the ropes. Well, here we are, the gray man said. The pair was back at the carriages and hounds, right outside the storyteller's estate, which the gray man owned. The storyteller said, All right, well, um, slavery was slavery. What was his master's command? The gray man said no. He was just messing with the storyteller. He already had all he needed, and this was all just for fun. But so many people died. The storyteller shook his head. And they came back to life, you know, some of them forever. Fun night, right? But yeah, you can have your carriages and hounds and your freedom and, oh, yeah, your wife. But that's... Not a good look for us, so let's call that a joke too. A joke. The storyteller was nonplussed. A joke? He had lost and regained everything in a night. He was still slated for death from the king. He... You're forgetting your other gift from tonight. The gray man smiled. The storyteller shook his head. What was the gray man talking about? A story. A story fit for a king. The gray man clasped the storyteller on the shoulder. He had heard the storyteller fretting this morning about not having a story to tell. The gray man liked hearing the man's stories, so he wanted to help out the storyteller. Now, he had a story to tell. The storyteller thought about it. Wait, yes. Yes, he did. Suddenly, everything that had seemed so terrible, so harrowing, had a purpose. He hugged the gray man, thanking him for that horrible, wonderful day. And the gray man smiled as he watched the storyteller sprint for the castle. When the storyteller was out of sight, the gray man tumbled away on a stiff wind. Wow. That is an amazing story. Your best Ever, the king said. The king loved all the meta stuff in the beginning, all the wacky supernatural things, the horrific violence, and how it all came together in the end. The storyteller asked, you know, thanks, but he thought it kind of meandered a bit in the middle, lost its way with the ladder of yarn. Oh no no no, you gotta do stuff like that. It's deep. It invites a second rating. Like, what does it all mean? What's what's the deeper meaning? What are the symbols? I think it's probably just a rope and a rabbit. I'm not really into looking for symbols and all that. The storyteller said, Well, I am, the king smiled, and I'm going to need to hear that story again tomorrow. And tomorrow's tomorrow. And really, you know what? I'm good. This is the story for me. I love it that much. And he was right. For as long as he lived, the storyteller would only need to tell this story each night to the king, who absolutely ate it up Every time. It was probably like the kid who was brought back to life, though. The storyteller, too, could live out his days without want or danger, but he would have to repeat the same thing over and over, slowly dying inside creatively while outwardly thriving. See? You do do symbolism, the king clapped. Oh, one, one question, though. The gray man said the kid will be floating through space? All alone? What... What Space? The king shook his head. Not, I'm not sure, I'm just repeating what he said, the storyteller confessed. Mm, okay. I think it's a type of pudding, the king sat back with a nod. Yeah, the storyteller thought about it, yeah, that, that sounds right. Next week, we're back in Japanese folklore with the story of a young family who lives with the monsters of the forest. If you'd like to support the show for less than the price of three snails, they must be good snails, you can get extra episodes and ad-free versions of the show that probably won't grow big enough to consume you. Probably. More on that in a bit. Check out mythpodcast.com slash legends or find the show on Apple Podcasts for more info on the membership. The creature this week is Lucarcol, from France. So, I've always wanted to go to the south of France. It looks absolutely beautiful. We have the sea and the food. I do, though, have to weigh this desire against not wanting to be eaten by a giant snail, which I think deep down is a fear endemic to all humans. If you Google snail mouths, you are met with a variety of results. First, you see, oh, okay, that looks cute. Little smiley snail. Then you see inside it and learn that it could have over 2,000 teeth. Then you look up videos of snails eating on YouTube and you're never the same again. Snail mouths in general are kind of like the Lukakulin specific. At first you're like, oh, that's not threatening, that might be kind of cute. In fact, the way the snail is described as a vicious, formidable snail feels oxymoronic. Then you look a little closer and no, that's actually horrifying. Apparently, under the town of Astange, In the snaking caves, a vicious, giant snail lives. If you're like, okay, that's fine, I don't make a habit of going into the caves underneath French cities, well, unfortunately, that can't always help you. If you've ever asked yourself if snails have tentacles, and if those tentacles can reach for miles, well, I'm here to answer those questions. Yes and yes. Also, why are you asking those questions? Well, because it could save your life. That's why. If you pass a slime trail the size of a highway out in the wilderness... I hope you haven't been putting off that marathon training, because apparently the snail will send its tentacles out to grab you and pull you in. Local legends apparently warn people regarding hiking in the grass around the city, and if you see one particular strand of long grass, twisted like a ribbon, the width of a horse's hair, avoid it. Because they only grow where the creature has slimed its way through, and the creature will immediately know you're in the area. There you have it. To be safe, just avoid a hair in a field of grass. Easy. Apparently, it's been 60 years since the creature was seen, though, so people think it might be dead. I wouldn't be so sure. Given that a normal snail lives, on average, 5 to 7 years, a snail 1,000 times the size obviously will live 5,000 to 7,000 years. That's my own math, so don't credit my sources with my excellent grasp on biology. That's all me. That's it for this time. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more of the music we used in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.